Normally, you know, we're going through our, our, our series on the book of Luke. We've been doing that this year. Uh, such a such a blessing. Uh, normally, we would have been in Luke 19 this morning uh, talking about Zacchaeus, uh, who was a wee little man. A wee little man was he. Uh, and we'll be going back to him, Lord willing. I already had my notes lined down on that. Uh, I enjoy preaching through uh, books and, and sections of, of Scripture because it really uh, has us wrestle with everything that's in there uh, and, and take it as God has meant it to, for our edification and, and to build us up. And so normally what I'll do is I'll go uh, in the same direction we, we have. And I'll go, OK, God, what, what do you want to do? This week, and then there are certain times like this week where he has uh, shared with me, taught me something that is so uh, strong in my life that, that I just can't help uh, but share it. So, we're going to jump ahead a little bit in uh, Luke uh, this week uh, to chapter 22 because I, I want to share it with you. Um, let's read that Luke 22 31. And 32, Jesus is speaking and he says, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift each of you like wheat. But I have pleaded in prayer for you, Simon, that your faith should not fail. So when you have repented and turned to me again, strengthen your brothers. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. We ask you this morning that you open our eyes to the wonders of it. Father God, I pray that you take uh, my remarks and, and Lord, you enlighten them to, to each heart that you direct them to each one as they have need this morning. I thank you to help us see you more clearly so that we can walk with you more closely in Jesus name. Amen. So most of you know, we have been having a slight issue around here with water lately. We've had a little issue with water. Uh, so a few weeks ago, I looked, I think it was like the 10th of October, and we, we found out, well, there's a pool of water in the floor back here in the back in the, in the youth room. Uh, if you're not, you know, church background, that's where the teenagers go. Uh, and so there's water back there. And I came up here to, to clean up and look at it. First thing I thought was, oh, man, the roof's leaking. That's not, you know, that's going to be, a, you know, problematic. Get here, the roof looks fine. Ceiling looks just great. But there's gallons and gallons of water in the floor, and it's pooled up against the back wall. I don't know. So we you know, pull it all up off of there. Thank heaven for concrete floors. Makes that a lot easier. And then we went to puzzling about it together. So, so thankful that, you know, that our guys around here don't just throw up their hands and go, good luck with that, Stephen. <laughs> You're the man, but they go, well, you know, we want to help with this. We want to figure this out. We want to fix this. This is our, you know, church. We're really interested in what's going on. And so we started looking like, well, maybe it came underneath this back wall. Now that would make sense. It rained a lot. On the back wall, there was even a strip where somebody had sealed it before. That had come off. It's like, it makes perfect sense that this is where this water is coming in. So uh, Kemper got our pressure washer up and running and sprayed it all out. And we're going to seal it back up. But when we sprayed it with the pressure washer, no water went under the wall. And we we're like, well, that's strange, right? Should have gone under the wall if that's what it was. So we're still working on it. And then last weekend, we had our youth retreat. 
got it, you know, water's in the floor again, cause it rained again. Tim's back there, he's got the shop back. We still cannot figure out where this water is coming from, right? And then Wednesday night, during our fall family night, I don't know if you remember the hurricane rains that we had, uh, but more water came in the floor than ever before. And still unable to tell for sure, what in the world, where is it? Cause I got here and outside of the wall where we thought it was coming through, there's not even water there. It's not, it's the driest it's ever been probably, even with all the rain going on. No, no water there, but there's gallons and gallons of water in the floor. So we got it cleaned up. Uh, with with a lot of uh, effort. And then we said, we've got to figure out what is going on here. And the only other thing we could come up with is outside that back door, there was a piece of PVC pipe sticking up about that far, it has a cap on it. Well, it got broken. Probably our guys that are mowing the yard, they're driving across there. You know, they're trying to move quick because they got other yards to go and do. And the blade of that mower takes the top right off that thing. Well, we didn't think much of it. It's just a drain. Water's supposed to go through it. Shouldn't be a problem. The only thing we can think is that must be involved somehow. So we come up here Thursday. Kemper comes, Tyler comes. Robert got here later, but he came. <laughs> And I, you know, I showed up coming in from Magnolia and Kimber said, we're going to take the hose. We're going to run it down that pipe. We're going to fill it up with water. We're going to see what happens. I'm expecting water to just pour in, you know, over there by that wall. And we fill it up and nothing happened except it was just full of water. Nothing happened. And we're all really scratching our heads at this point. And Kemper said, what we need to do is put some pressure on it. When you put some pressure on it, so we tried to do it with an air compressor, didn't go. But finally, he said he, he, he got something, a shirt or a towel, and he covered up the top of that just enough to get the hose through. And he put his big old boots on there and he said, all right, now go inside and see. Crank the water on and water starts coming up through a crack in the floor. So apparently that pipe runs under the floor and is broken or perforated. And only when pressure was put to it did it come up through the floor. So we figured that out. Problem solved. But the Lord took that. You're like, what in the world are you telling? Are you raising money for the bit? No, that's not what we're doing. <laughs> we're going to get it fixed. It's going to be like nothing. Uh, what does this have to do with, 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 with anything? It seemed like when the cap was on that pipe out there, there was no water getting to it. There was no pressure on it that everything was fine. It seemed like everything was okay. And then something happened. Something always happens. Something happened. You know, lawnmower knocks it off of there. And with that plus the rain, it caused that pipe to be pressured and stressed. And then all of a sudden problems that we didn't know we had revealed themselves. Issues that we weren't even aware of or that have been forgotten about. We still don't know what in the world that pipe is for, but issues that had been forgotten about or we thought there were no seen issues until there was pressure put on. And so the connection there for this morning is life does that same thing to us. We can think I'm doing good. I'm rocking along. Everything's going fine. And then all of a sudden when pressure is put on, 
things start to show up that I forgot I'm still dealing with. Things start to show up that I forgot were still an issue for me. Pressure pointed out that there was some brokenness and some issues that we need to address right with that pipe. And that's what pressure does in our life. It points out when there's brokenness and issues that we need to address. It can reveal those problems. And thankfully, there is grace to address them. God, when he reveals stuff in our life, he gives us the grace to be able to address them. And that's what we see in Luke 22. Jesus is talking to Simon Peter. We'll read it again because it's, 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 it's brief. He says, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift each of you like wheat. But I have pleaded in prayer for you, Simon, that your faith should not fail. So when you have repented and turned to me again, strengthen your brother. So first off, he says his name twice. Simon, Simon. It was it was to imply a gentleness there and a concern. Simon, Satan has asked, has desired to sift you like wheat, not just him, but the whole group of them, the group of the disciples. He, he, he said the enemy, the evil one wants to see you torn apart. And now remember what was about to happen. Jesus was about to be arrested, falsely accused, crucified. And he knew how this was going to affect him. He's like, Satan desires that when that pressure is put on you, that you will break down and fall apart and disappear. That's his desire for you. Again, not just Simon Peter, but all the 12, because again, they've learned so much. They've seen so much. They've walked with Jesus for, for three years. They, they've experienced so much, but there's about to be a lot of pressure put on that. There's about to be a lot of pressure put on them. He said the personification of evil, Satan, the evil one, the author of rebellion is coming for you. He wants to destroy you. There's going to be a lot of pressure. And we see that in the coming chapters. We, we, we see the pressure revealing in them old weaknesses. We, we see pressure revealing in them the, 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 the want to preserve themselves. Fear rising up, right? So we see that, those old tendencies. And we even see Peter would, would deny knowing who Jesus even was. And they all ran and they were all afraid and in despair. And Jesus is telling them pressure is coming and it's the enemy's desire that you would be destroyed by it. Now, then he said it's interesting that he what he doesn't say is the enemy wants to destroy you. He's coming to destroy you. But hey, don't worry. I told him not my friends. No, get away from my friends. Leave them alone. No pressure for them. He didn't say that, did he? He said, the enemy wants to tear you apart, but I've prayed for you that your faith would not fail. I've prayed for you that you would have unfailing faith. Listen, Peter, there's pressure coming and it's going to reveal brokenness that's still on the inside of you. It's going to reveal selfishness that's still on the inside of you. And it's going to try to draw you into those old ways of thinking in life and away from the kingdom way that I've delivered to you, that I've taught you. 
Pressure's coming, and what does Jesus say that they need, that we need in the face of that pressure is faith that does not fail. Faith that doesn't stop. Faith that doesn't quit. Faith that doesn't leave, that doesn't give up. Jesus, the smartest man to ever walk the face of the earth. And we could talk about it. It's amazing to think about him in that way because we don't usually associate that, but he would have to be, wouldn't he? The smartest man to ever walk the face of the earth. He said, when the enemy comes for you, when the pressure is on, what you need is faith that doesn't fail. I pray that you would have faith that doesn't fail. What is faith? Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. It's the gripping point that we have on the kingdom that's been given to us. It's the ability to see the way that God sees, to see us the way he sees us, to see him the way he sees himself, to see the enemy and the pressure the way that he sees it. Faith is his gift to us so that we can see the way that he sees so that we would be able to endure the pressure, the pressure that's going to bring temptation to do things in a way that's not the kingdom way, to walk in those old ways or to be consumed by the pressure, those old weaknesses showing up, those old uh, areas of brokenness in our life, they always show up when the pressure is applied. Faith sees the true life that's been given to us in the kingdom, given to us by Jesus. And he says that when the pressure is on, we need faith that doesn't fail. Again, think about all that Peter and the boys, Peter and the other disciples had seen and heard and experienced in walking with Jesus for these three years and how much it had changed them. The way that they saw, the way that they thought, the way that they talked and the way that they acted and pressure because we see that in our life, too. We, we see growth, right? We've learned so much. We've experienced so much of his goodness and his kingdom. And, and, and when the pressure comes, there's opportunity for those old things, those old ways, those old feelings, those old ideas, the old way we used to deal with things, right, to come to the surface. And, and we see it in Peter. We see that self-preservation rise up in him when they arrested Jesus. And he's following along. He wants to see what happens. But when they started asking him, hey, aren't you with him? Hey, don't you know him? Hey, didn't I see you with him? He, he denied Christ three times, even in earshot of Jesus himself, denied him. So you see that rise up in him. Because Peter wanted, why did he deny Christ? He wanted what we want when the pressure is on. What do we want? To get out of the pressure. We just want to get away from it. We just want it to stop. He didn't want to get arrested. He didn't want to be crucified. He didn't want to be in the middle of all of that. So why did he deny Christ? Because of the pressure. Back here, I caught myself just wanting the water to stop. <laughs> I really wish we could just get the water to stop. The water is bad. It's causing issue. It sure is making me tired. I want to get it to stop, but the water was just uh, a, a symptom of brokenness that we couldn't see. The water was just a symptom of a problem that was under the surface that needed to be fixed, right? And when we when we're when the pressure's on and these things are starting to pop up, it may take us a little while. Just like with with the deal back here, what is causing this? 
Why have I been so angry? Why have I been so worried? Why have I felt this draw to, to go back here? Why have I felt this draw to, to, to do this? Why am I feeling that? And we, and we can trace it back and go, this pressure is putting pressure on me. And, and so I, I'm, I'm doing the same thing Peter did. I'm, I'm trying to preserve myself. I'm trying to figure out, oh, oh man, I've got to do something instead of going, oh, okay. This is old brokenness coming to the surface. It may take a little bit to identify, you know, why I'm feeling drawn to those old comforts, those old reactions. The what's going on? Where is this coming from? To, to trace it back. But it, but it all comes back to pressure of some form or another. And the pressure is going to come. You're going to deal with pressure in your life. You're going to deal with these situations these feelings in your life, it's going to come. And when it does, we're going to want it to leave or we're going to leave, want to leave out from where it is. That's going to be our first reaction. But Jesus says that he has prayed that their faith wouldn't fail, that that's what's most important when the pressure is on. See, faith will look past just uh, looking for an escape. Just looking for a way out, because we will pray early and often for a way out, won't we? When the pressure's on and when things get difficult, what we want to just pray immediately is get me out of here. I don't like it. I don't want this. I want something else. And Jesus told us in Scripture that in life we're going to have tribulation. We're going to have times of pressure. We're going to have times of trouble. So when the pressure is on, maybe, maybe you are where you are because he wants a chance to grow you. He wants a chance for you to learn more, experience more and put into practice what you've learned about the kingdom. Maybe you're being stretched because it's time for you to grow a little bit. Maybe you're being stretched because it's time for you to mature a little bit so that you can grow and be strengthened more than you would be if your life was just tiptoeing through the tulips every day. If you never deal with anything difficult, if you never deal with any pressure, you're going to be very weak. Right. We know that if you never do anything, it would be easy to just sit in your chair at the house all the time. That's not going to be good for you. It's the same thing in life. If we never deal with any pressure or, or, or any pushback from life, it, we're going to be weak. Pressure shows us the old things that we've left alone, that we've not dealt with, that we've left unseen. Old unforgiveness, old dependencies on other things besides God. It starts to reveal those things, those, those false views, those selfish areas in our life. So maybe, maybe pressure is an opportunity for our faith to grow. Maybe pressure is an opportunity for us to trust God, maybe we're there, we're in the middle of it so that we can change and be more like him so that we can grow into the image of Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit. See, because Jesus was preparing Peter for something specific and he was going to need to be strong. He was going to need to have endurance. He was going to need to have faith that didn't fail. So maybe we're there. Maybe the maybe, maybe when the pressure's on. We're there not just so we can escape real quick, but that so we can change and we can grow. Maybe. Maybe you're there to change the situation. Maybe he has called you into something that's going to involve pressure being put on. 
that's going to require you to stand up unfailing in your faith, full of the Holy Spirit and power to bring change into the situation for somebody else. Because there's going to be things that are broken that need to be fixed. Nobody wants to deal with that. But something being fixed benefits not just where it is, but everybody that comes into contact with it. Maybe he put you where you are in spite of the pressure so that you can be a change in the situation. Maybe there's somebody there who needs him and you're the delivery point. You're the one who brings the kingdom. You're the one who brings the answer. You're the one who brings Jesus into the situation. Maybe that's why you're in that pressure situation. Now, again, what, do we want to be in pressure? No, it can be awful. The first thing we think is, I want to get out of here. God said, well, I want, what, you know, what about what about this? Somebody else can do that. You know, you got the wrong one, God. I don't know if you've seen my resume. I'm not good at this. But then it gets back to the growth. But if we spend our whole life and all of our time just trying to be comfortable and avoid any pressure, anything that would be difficult, we're not going to grow and they're not going to experience change. See, Peter thought that God had the wrong one, too. After the pressure was on and that old brokenness revealed and he denied him and he ran, he thought, well, I'm just I'm the worst. God can never use me. But in the end, his faith didn't fail. He repented. He returned and he strengthened his brothers, just like Jesus told him. And dealing with all that, he grew in faith. And so when the Holy Spirit fell at Pentecost, he was ready. He was where he was supposed to be. So the same one that was denying Jesus and running away from people stood up in front of everybody on the day of Pentecost and said, let me tell you about Jesus. Let me tell you about Jesus who you crucified. Let me tell you who he is and preach the church's first sermon. All through the Bible, you've got examples of men and women pushing into the pressure, even though it was difficult for them. Think about David, right? David went to the went to the army camp and Goliath's out there and he's he's cursing them and challenging them and and saying terrible things about God. And David could have just as easily said, whoo, that guy is big. This seems like a lot of trouble. I'm just going to deliver this and just back on out. And I'm going to go back home to where the sheep are. Right. I'm going to avoid the pressure. And that's what everybody else was doing. Nobody wanted to be the one to step up. Nobody wanted to be the one to say something to say, hey, no, you don't get to talk about us like that. You don't get to talk about God like that. But David stepped up, entered into the pressure, and it began to grow him into the king that God had anointed him to become. Esther stood up for her entire nation of people with the king, went into his presence, unbidden, uncalled for, could have easily been put to death and said, if I perish, I perish. If I die doing this, I'm going to die, but I'm not going to run from the pressure when others lives are on the line. Daniel, they said, don't pray to anybody, but, you know, the Babylonian king. And he's like, I hate to tell y'all. Right. But again, that's pressure, pressure being put on. And I'm sure there was some difficulty there. He might have been resolute in it. He might have been steadfast, but I think he also knew 
Lord, is this how I'm going out? But he held firm and steadfast anyway in the face of pressure and on and on we could go of stories in Scripture where none of them would have done anything for anybody if they would have caved to the pressure and ran away. If they said, hey, this is hard. I don't like this. I don't want to do this. I'm gone. None of them would have done anything for anybody. Ever. But all of them, we know, because we read about it, had brokenness, had issues, had things that came to the surface when the pressure was put on. And we saw it healed differently and we saw it handled differently, but we know that their faith didn't fail And they were changed through their faith and through their endurance. They're holding on. And then God used them to change the situations that they were in. In these big situations, when they again, when they come up in life, the first thing we think is, I think somebody else needs to do this. God, somebody else would probably be better for this. I'm not the one that needs to be doing this. I'm just not good at this. Why do I have to be the one? Why do I have to deal with this? Why do I have to be the one to raise this kid that won't do right? Why do I have to be the one with with this boss that won't treat me right? Why do I have to be else when anybody else is going to be just as flawed as we are? So why pass it off, right? Anybody else is a person, too. They're going to deal with the same things and the same struggles that we are. This is my problem. This is my pressure. And maybe he wants to use it to grow me so that I can overcome it and change the environment. Jesus told Peter and the others that pressure is coming from hell itself. Hell itself is coming against you, boys. But I prayed for you that your faith wouldn't fail. What you need is faith that won't fail. Faith doesn't run for pressure situations. But faith brings the kingdom into the situation to relieve the pressure the right way. Amen. That pipe, man, it was a puzzle and it was a problem and it wasn't revealed what was actually wrong until pressure was put on it. So what was happening, when it would rain, the water pools up there. There's pressure from that side. It flows underneath here, somewhere out the back. It's probably clogged up, covered up, buried up. And so when it got saturated here and saturated there, there was pressure in the middle and it was coming up through the floor. And it took some time to identify that. And it's going to take some time to fix it. It's going to take some attention to fix it. And that's how it goes in our life. The pressure comes and it reveals things that we don't like. It brings things to the surface that we didn't deal with the last time or we haven't dealt with before. And it's going to take some time to identify. It's going to take some time to address. But that's why we need faith that doesn't fail. And I'm not saying that you can't pray for a situation to be better if it's bad, right? Sometimes escape is the answer. Sometimes God's answer for you in that is to be delivered from it. I'm not saying if it's bad, you have to stay there. Sometimes that's the answer. That can even be your first prayer. God, please fix this. God, help. Help. And then after that, God, Fix me. God, help me. This is revealing things in me that aren't of you, that are of my flesh, my carnality. It's not part of the kingdom. Help me. Fix me. So so fix this. Fix me. 
God, help me fix this. Help me be the fix for this. Because what I've started to learn, and, and I try to teach this to people, especially if they're new uh, in any type of management role, is that there are always going to be problems. There are all, if you think as a manager that you're going to get to the point where there aren't any problems, you've just worked yourself out of a job. That's what you're there for. Those problems are your purpose. That's why you're there. So to think and to put, give yourself the false hope that you're going to build something up to the point where there's never any problems and never any pressure, it's always going to be there. There's always going to be another thing. There's always going to be another pipe. There's always going to be something else. The, the next thing, and it's how we handle it. You know, I'm not saying you can't pray for a situation to be better. We also need to pray that God will make us better in the situations we find ourselves in. And then we also need to pray that he would lead us into being the fix and the change for it. Because we can sit there and we can gripe and fuss about the symptoms of the pressure, right? We can gripe and fuss about the water being in the floor or we can figure out what's causing it. We can fuss about the symptoms of the pressure or we can trace back to the cause and deal with it with a kingdom solution, a true solution. Because if we just treat the symptoms and not the cause, nothing's going to get better. And the next time the pressure is back on, the problem is going to be there again. He wants to heal our brokenness. He wants to restore us to the way we should have been from the beginning to give us strength in our weaknesses, to recover uh, us from those old issues and, and, and to remake us. And, and sometimes, oftentimes, it means enduring pressure. That's when you're going to grow. That's when you're going to be changed because that's when you rely on him. Maybe you'll be delivered immediately, snapped out of there. Awesome. Maybe you'll change and grow in the midst of it. And maybe He'll use you to bring the kingdom answer to the other people that are feeling the same thing to administrate the kingdom where you are. He knows what's out there. Jesus knew what was out there. He knew there was evil that wanted to destroy them and he prayed for them. He prays for us that our faith would not fail. That our faith would not fail. I want to close. There was a, a psalm that came up in the middle of all this this week that God just kept bringing up. And it was Psalm 27. There's one, I think it was Wednesday night. Because I was tired. Man, that made me tired Wednesday. Wednesday night, we had, we had fun, but I got home, I was tired, and we got in the bed, and I told Kelly, I said, I'm sleepy, but I need to read some scripture before I go to bed. I can't handle much, but I need to put something else on this brain Besides this tiredness before I close my eyes. And so I'll read that here in just a second. But when we find ourselves in those pressure situations, don't be surprised if it brings things to the surface that we don't like. That, that if that the brokenness comes to the surface, it, it will reveal our weak points, our broken points our old issues, and we can't get swept up in the pressure of the situation. Our prayer can definitely be, God, help. Help. 
Because that's what we want when we're in there. We know we're not enough. Because if we were, we would have dealt with it. We're not enough. But he is. And again, maybe his help will be to sweep you out of it. Maybe he'll send someone to help you, send you exactly what you need. Maybe he'll help you by being with you, to grow you in the middle of that, to stretch you, increase your faith and your stamina because he's got something else he needs you to do next. Because his grace is sufficient, right? Remember what Paul, Paul prayed, Lord, take this away. This thorn in the flesh, take it away. All right, that's what we pray to. Take it away. And what was God's answer? My grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect in your weakness. Which what, Paul, you're going to grow through this. You're going to grow through this and it's going to be because of me. So maybe his help is going to be to grow us and maybe his help is going to be to use you to change the situation that you're in. To bring the kingdom answer to the situation which will not only benefit you, but everybody else who's around and who's involved. I wanted to read this. It was just, it was a blessing to me. Psalm 27. I don't know if I said that. Psalm 27. And I'm going to read from verse 7 to 14. Hear me as I pray, O Lord. Be merciful and answer me. My heart has heard you say, come and talk with me. Or your translation may say, seek my face. Come close to me. And my heart responds, Lord, I'm coming. Don't turn your back on me. Don't reject your servant in anger. You have always been my helper. Don't leave me now. Don't abandon me, O God, of my salvation. Even if my father and mother abandon me, the Lord will hold me close. So what do we do? We go to God and say, God, my heart is still feeling the draw towards you. I know that you're there. I need your help. I need you to answer me. And you can see and there's like, don't, don't turn your back on me, God. Don't reject me. There's that. I'm not, you know, I'm not the one. I'm, I'm, I'm not good enough. And he's working through some of that. Don't leave me alone. Don't abandon me. Why? Because I need you so much. He said, oh, God of my salvation, even if my mother and father abandoned me to give the example of the closest relationship we can have. He said, even if my mother and father left me, you'll be with me. I know that you will always be close to me. And then he says in verse 11, teach me how to live, O Lord. Tell me what I'm supposed to do. Show me what I'm supposed to do. Lead me along the right path. For my enemies are waiting for me. There's that pressure. Don't let me fall into their hands. For they accuse me of things I've never done. With every breath they threaten me with violence. There's the... the the thought of that pressure and then caving in. And who's our enemy? I wrote down in my margin here, did David know who his enemy really was? Who is our real enemy? And it's that pull to the old way of life. It's that pull back into the darkness, back into the dread, back into the depression, back into the dismay. It's the pull back in there. It's like, God, don't let me fall to them. Keep me strong so I don't fall back in with them. And said, all these things are happening. Verse 13, yet I'm confident I will see the Lord's goodness while I am here in the land of the living. That even though the pressure's on right now, I know he's here with me. And that means it's going to get better. It's going to get better. And then verse 14, wait patiently for the Lord. Be strong and courageous. Yes, wait patiently for the Lord. Pressure and difficulty will come. His prescription is that we have faith that doesn't fail. 
That last one just stuck with me the most. Stephen, wait patiently for him. Keep, be strong and courageous. Stand in faith and then wait and see what God wants to do. Wait and see what God wants to do. Do what you're supposed to be doing. Wait to see what he wants to do. Be strong and courageous because he's with you. He's not going to leave you. Even if mother and father forsake you, he's not going to leave you. He's there. He's in this. And he's prayed that our faith wouldn't fail. Amen. Stand up with me as we finish up. I want to pray over us. And then Andrew's going to come and we're going to sing together as we get ready to go. Pressure will come. And it'll cause things to pop up in you that are old and broken and that need to be dealt with. And if we just push it back down and don't address it, we'll get to see it again. Right. Father, thank you that you are with us, that you are for us. God, that you see the pressure, you see the difficulties, you see our struggles. And that you have prayed for us that our faith wouldn't fail. You've given us the ability to see you as you are high and lifted up big enough for us to trust you and to see ourselves as we actually are wholly and completely dependent upon you for life and for righteousness and for joy and peace. And God, I thank you that you don't leave us alone. Even as enemies gather around us, God, not, not people, but the enemies that we deal with in our, in our soul, in our spirit, in our mind, those enemies that we deal with, the old ones that we thought we had whipped, but they seem to come back when the pressure's on. I thank you that you won't leave us to be defeated by them, but you will strengthen us in faith so that we'll be able to stand against the evil one. I thank you that you grow us through the pressure. God, we don't like it. But we know that you have a calling on our life to push through and to grow and be strengthened so that we can be a strength for somebody else, so that we can be a deliverer of the kingdom, an administrator of the kingdom for someone else. I thank you that you never leave us and you never forsake us. Lord, as we get ready to go today, I thank you that we go in peace and unity together with each other. Protect your people. God, keep us safe. I thank you that we go forth in joy, knowing that we have a God in heaven who will never leave us. I thank you, Lord, this week as our nation experiences pressure, Lord, that the church will respond rightly and well. God, we pray that your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. God, I thank you that we are the blessed ones who are the peacemakers, making peace where we are. Lord, I thank you that we can look to you as king above all. We love you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.